Rum Cake to Happiness, a podcast where we discuss topics that impact our mental health and well-being. I challenge you to see your potential, push yourself to create change, and to always spread love and kindness. I am your host, Carlene Ross, a certified life coach, author, and mental health advocate. Let's chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Rum Cake to Happiness. I am your girl, Carlene. Thank you so much for joining me. I know I have been away for a hot minute and I have lots to tell. I just want to say again, I thank you guys so much for sticking with me, for just, you know, asking what's going on and, you know, what's happening. Are you coming back? And just being there to care really about me being missing in action. Um, there is lots to tell and, um, I'm just blessed. I feel so happy to be back and to be talking with you guys again. Like I said, in the last short episode that I published, I just really am so blessed to have you guys and, um, you know, talking to you guys, it really is therapy for me. It really makes me put a lot of my life's challenges and a lot of my thoughts, um, into perspective when I can bounce things off of you guys and you guys respond to me through email. And I think it's awesome. So thank you again. Now, before I start, I'm going to apologize because my throat is very, um, groggy, as you can tell. I've been sucking on hulls for the past 24 hours. Um, because again, it's flu season, I guess everybody's getting a cold again. My whole house is on lockdown because everybody has a cold or a flu or in their case, a man flu. And you know what that's like. (laughs) Um, and so I'm definitely trying to stay as healthy as possible because I cannot afford to get sick. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to apologize. I might be drinking sips of water. I might be coughing a little bit, but I am here for you. So I titled this title or this episode, where have I been? Because I honestly, I feel like I've been to the moon and back. I feel like I've just been in so many different places, emotionally, physically, spiritually in the past four months that I've been MIA that I just, you know, where have I been is a great title. So I'm going to share with you a couple of things. First of all, I just want to say that life throws us curveballs. We all know this. Sometimes we plan our lives and we have an expectation of how things are going to roll out, whether that be, you know, within a week, whether that be within a season or our expectations within a year. We set expectations, right? We just have ideas of how things are going to be and how things are going to roll out for us. And I can say that 2022 definitely did not turn out to be a year that I anticipated it was going to be. When I started 2022, I had a real hope and aspiration to really push my business forward, to really grow the business. I wanted to acquire more life coaches, um, a couple more life coaches under me. I wanted to um, push my writing forward. I have writing that is been pending for a while. And <clears throat> because I was kind of, you know, putting myself in too many different pots, I had put that on the back burner for a little bit. And so in 2022, I really wanted to get that done and push push through and, and do that. And um, just a lot of things I had in mind for my business, a lot of really cool things. 
And life just, you know, jumped up and slapped me in the face. And so that's what I mean when I say we can have all the best intentions for ourselves. We can set ourselves up for success and do everything that we feel is necessary. But the universe has its own idea. And sometimes things are put in our path that we just, I feel, need to challenge through and, and, and muddle through in order to maybe have a story, in order to learn you know, something brand new that we would have never been privy to in, in the past. And so <coughs> what initially happened when I went MIA, things were going really well. Um, I was in a really good place mentally. And I, like I said, had a lot of plans. But what initially happened was my husband was not doing that great. And so my husband was having <clears throat> some health issues. We didn't know exactly what was going on. We were having a lot of medical appointments. We got to see a lot of, you know, specialists. He was seeing cardiologists. He was seeing neurologists. He was seeing, you know, hematologists. It was just crazy. The amount of people and the amount of appointments that we were seeing. Sorry, my dog is here and he's always at my door wanting to come in. Um, hi, boo. So we were seeing a lot of different people trying to figure out what was happening with him. And his symptoms were kind of weird. Um, it was just, <clears throat> he was having a lot of trouble breathing at times, you know, laboring with his breathing. He was having heart palpitations. <clears throat> he was having... Oh, just, just strange, strange, you know, things were happening. And so we thought he had a heart condition and then they were like, yeah, he does have a heart condition. Saw a cardiologist and then they're like, but there's more to it. So they ran a slew of tests and came back that he had something on his liver. We're like, oh my God, what the heck is on his liver? So then that became a problem. Um, and so long story short, it took a few months and it was quite nerve-wracking for me to be going through, <coughs> sorry, all of this with him. <coughs> sorry, guys, I need a sip of water. It's quite nerve-wracking to be going through all of this with him. Nerve-wracking for me, nerve-wracking for him, nerve-wracking for the kids. Um, and so it took a lot of time, it took a lot of my time, a lot of my energies trying to figure out what was going on. And what eventually happened was after testing and testing and testing, we realized that he had a very rare, or he has a very rare hereditary terminal disease. And by using the word terminal, I mean, that's a heavy word, right? <clears throat> but it is, it's terminal. Basically, what he was diagnosed with was amyloidos amy amyloidosis. I always have a difficult time saying that. Amyloidosis, hereditary amyloidosis. It happens to be a very rare disease that is not um, studied half as much as other diseases. And 
um, what basically is, it is that the body is producing a certain type of bad protein. And pardon me, that protein is impacting, in his case, his heart. And pardon me, burping. And what's happening is that the heart is being impacted and basically the protein is clustering and clumping, sticking to the heart. So you would have to think about it in the same sense uh, of someone who has um, Alzheimer's, how they form plaque on the brain. And so with this, <coughs> it is a devastating diagnosis. I mean, we were definitely devastated. We saw one of the best doctors <clears throat> that actually is very versed and specializes with amyloidosis. And um, we had great conversations with him. He's very hopeful. Um, the type that my husband has and the level that he is, thank God he's at the very beginning, beginning stages. Um, typically, they give you 12 years. Um, but we're not taking any of that into account. We're going to live our life. And basically how things are currently right now, I mean, with me, I did every kind of research that I possibly could on finding what the heck was going on, what type of disease this is, how can we familiarize ourselves with it, what can we do. I connected him to a platform where other people who have the same diagnoses <clears throat> and similar because there's different types within the family of amyloid. Um, I connected him to a platform. He speaks to people all over the world, from Australia to wherever. Um, and there is a lot of information that, you know, these patients share between each other. That is fantastic. <clears throat> um, so it's put him in a much better headspace. Um, yeah, so that was definitely something that we were dealing with. And, you know, I, I really did push everything aside to kind of figure out what was going on with his with his diagnosis and <clears throat> really what we can do about it. And what we've managed to, to figure out in the process is that one of his brothers, um, at the same time, actually, that he was feeling these symptoms. His brother was also feeling the same symptoms. His brother is the baby of the family, and he, I believe, is four years younger than my husband <clears throat> because there were eight siblings in total. Um, and he shares the same father with that brother. And so it is from that side, not his mother's side, but the father's side of the family. And so he was also feeling the same symptoms. So I got together with my sister-in-law. We kind of started comparing notes and comparing, you know, how they were feeling and things that were happening. You know, they're retaining water all the time. Um, they were having um, feet issues, you know, similar to how diabetic people would have issues with their feet. Um, my husband experienced a blood clot <clears throat> in his calf and that blood clot we didn't even know was happening. And, you know, I spent the weekend pretty much massaging his calf until he was in so much pain, we sent him to the hospital and they were like, no, you can't, your husband has a blood clot. The last thing you should be doing is massaging him and loan, you know, I don't know what's going on. I didn't have the slightest clue. We actually initially thought that when he was experiencing that kind of pain in his calf, that maybe he pulled a muscle because, you know, previously to that he had had, um, knee surgery, just a scope in his knee. And so he was putting a lot of pressure on the other leg 
wanting to, you know, kind of baby the leg that he did have the scope on. And so we initially just thought it was, you know, muscular and which is why I was massaging him the way that I was until it just got so painful that we were like, no, something, something is up. And lo and behold, we realized that, yeah, he had a blood clot and it was very dangerous. It could have easily gone anywhere. It could have gone to his heart, to his lung, to his brain. Um, And so we had a lot of scary moments in this whole situation, trying to diagnose him and trying to get a whole grip on what was happening. And so my world, as far as me working, kind of came to a halt and I did it only when I needed to. Um, But yeah, it was a very scary time for sure. As it stands right now, his brother has also been diagnosed with the exact same thing. It is the exact same amyloid doses with the heart or that affects the heart. And we've also found out his sister, his eldest sister in the US, who I believe is 83 or 84. um, She has also had the same diagnoses and has been confirmed. So now we know three out of eight children um, carry this gene. And so it's great to find out because they do come from a rather large family and it's important that everyone knows what's going on. And so we did definitely share it on the family chat with everyone to let them know that this is what we found out and to check yourselves, check your children, just read up on it and know more about it. And so that diagnosis was definitely a journey on its own. My husband is since um, waiting to do a heart biopsy because where we live in Canada, we are very blessed that um, this medication will be provided for him free of charge but there are certain criteria that he has to follow. So in Canada, you must do a um, heart biopsy and that um, will be tested and validated that this is exactly your illness and the Canadian government will cover that for you. So we're waiting currently for that. It was supposed to be a couple months ago, but of course everything is just pushed back. And so we're on the waiting list for that right now. And when that finally happens and he can get the medication, um, I hope to see improvements um, in how he's feeling right now. He's getting the same thing as far as retaining water, not half as badly as he was before because he has been put on diuretics. Um, And so he does, he can gain four pounds in a day and lose four pounds overnight by taking the diuretic. And so... It's definitely something that we watch for. Um, he's getting neuro, neuropathy pain um, in his feet, just his, his skin in general. You know, your skin on your body is the biggest organ, and that is an organ as well that unfortunately this disease does attack. And so with that, um, we're just kind of hoping for the best, you know, that we can get things done and get him on the medication to see what's going on with that and how things might improve for him for a better quality of life. Um, As it stands right now, I mean, he's not doing horrible. As of right now that I'm doing this podcast, he's actually not well, and it's not really the amyloid. It's because he's got the flu. So he tested negative for COVID, but he's definitely got the flu, the man flu, like I mentioned at the beginning. Him and the, the rest of the boys are kind of down for the count. Um, so yeah, that's what I was dealing with in the spring and it definitely took a lot of my time and energy. It was very upsetting. It's a lot to wrap your head around. I know I kind of just blurted it out, but I just wanted to give you guys a high level overview of what it is that we were dealing with that kind of pulled me away from the podcast. 
and also a little bit from my coaching. Um, so in saying that, there is a lot of time and energy that was put into that. You know, when things are important to you, you want to make sure that you are putting in the time and energy that you need to to fix things or do your best to fixing things or understanding things. Because really without your health, what do we have? We don't have health. What do we have? You know? And in the midst of all of that, me worrying and doing everything about his illness, I completely let go of myself as far as, you know, just paying attention to me and to my body. And I think it's very natural and normal to do that as a spouse because you are super worried and you, you know, you just want the best for them and to fix what's, what, what they're going through. And so I realized <clears throat> that in... I want to say in early May, I realized um, that I was really kind of ignoring myself and I put myself on this mental path to be like, okay, so we're going to calm down. We know, we know what's going on now. We're going to try to focus and get back to things. I started writing things again. Um, I started kind of slowly getting back into my work and trying to focus on you know, what I wanted to do from the beginning of the year was to really um, get some writing done, regroup and refocus on the coaching plan and all of these things. And I sat down and I, I laid things out and I thought, okay, let's, we're good now. So let's, you know, get back on track. Shortly after that, um, I want to say mid-May, um, I got a letter in the mail from the hospital that my normal, um, routine mammogram was coming up and I had an appointment and I've been doing this for the past 20 years or 21 years because as I mentioned prior <clears throat> in episodes way before I am a breast cancer survivor um, and 21 years ago I had breast cancer stage two in one breast and it was a lump in one area so it was removed. I had radiation therapy. My kids were super young at the time and I was treated and moved on with my life and everything was fine. Um, so I've been having testing ever since then and it's nothing new. I go every year. And so I got the note reminding me and I went and had my MRI, sorry, had my, um, what do you call it? Had my mammogram and, um, I had my mammogram and about three days later, I got a call back from the hospital and they had left me a message saying that they wanted to book another appointment because on the mammogram, they had seen something and wanted to revisit it. So, I mean, no alarm bells went off. I was like, okay, that's fine. It's happened before. They've called me before. They call a lot of people back to take second imagery. Nothing really crazy. I wasn't too concerned <clears throat> about it. But I think in my mind, because I was called back, I was like, okay, let me pay attention here. And I want to give you a backstory too. Prior to me paying attention, um, two years ago, not even two years, a year and a half ago, 2019, I decided that I was going to have um, a breast reconstruction because back in the day when I did do the surgery and the radiation, they took basically half the breast tissue from the breast that had breast cancer. And so I'd always been off balance um, with the breast, but it really wasn't a concern for me because I, like I said, I was raising my family. I had things to do. 
And, um, you know, now that the kids are grown, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do a reconstruction. So I did book that in 2019 and I had that done. And what they basically did was the breast that had the cancer, they, they, uh, put a, they put an implant in there, um, and then downsized the regular side of the breast, downsized the regular breast that had no issues. That was 2019. Everything went well. The balancing was a little bit off. I was still a little bit too heavy on my natural side. And so I went back in in 2021, November 2021, to uh, reduce the left side of me and make it kind of balance with the implant side. Simple surgery, simple procedure. I was out for about six weeks. Not a big deal. I went to my follow-up with my doctor and I mentioned to her that I was seeing a lot of stretching happening um, in the breast that had um, the implant and that the stretch marks were a little bit weird, you know, kind of above the skin. And she kind of looked at it and she was like, no, you know, it's perfectly normal because, you know, we had to stretch the skin. It was um, rather small. We had to stretch it to make it larger. It's normal that you're going to get stretch marks. Don't worry about it. Okay. Not a problem. So that was about seven months prior to me having my follow-up mammogram. I had the surgery about seven months prior to me having the follow-up mammogram Um, and about three months prior to having the actual mammogram is when I mentioned to her about the look of my breast. Um, So yeah, back to where I ended is that they called me back for a mammogram. And in the meantime, they had pushed the appointment a week ahead. So they're like, we want to see you next week. We'll take another imagery um, of what we saw. And I was like, okay, no problem. So that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. I went into the washroom and I kind of just kind of self-assessed myself, took a good look at myself because I really hadn't done that in a very long time. You know, you hop in the bath, you hop in the shower, you hop out, lotion your skin, put your clothes on and go about my way. And that's really how I conducted my time. But I took the time to actually undress, stand in front of my mirror in the bathroom and really assess my body. And what I noticed, I didn't like. What I noticed was the same issue that I mentioned to her about having the stretch marks on that breast with the previous cancer. Um, I was fine with the stretch marks. I was like, okay, that's fine. But why do I have this bruising color across here, like a purplish, bluish color? And, you know, the breast shape itself had changed. Not only had it changed slightly, but the texture of my skin underneath the breast the bottom of the breast had also changed and was like an orange peely type of look. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I don't think it's supposed to look like that. But I was like, you know, but this breast has been through so much trauma. I mean, she just saw it. Wasn't a big deal. I think it's just because I have an implant. And then it kept on nagging me. And I was like, you know, so I called my my husband and I showed him. And he's like, "Mm, no, that shouldn't look like that you need to go to the emergency. And I was like, come on, the emergency, that's ridiculous. That's a little drastic. Um, He was like, no, Carlene, it really, you know, I don't think that's how it's supposed to look. Regardless of having an implant and stretching, I don't think that's how it's supposed to look. Um, So I kind of fluffed it off. And the same week I had a girlfriend come by, my best friend came by to visit me for a little bit. And I also showed her the, I took photos actually. And I showed her the photos and she was like, no, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to look. 
Um, so, you know, at this point I was like, okay, well, I mean, could be overreacting, but what I'll do is I will go to make an appointment with the plastic surgeon who did the surgery. And she was like, I really think you should go to the emergency. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to emergency for something like this. You know how women are. We blow things off constantly when it comes to our own health and well-being. Um, and so... I decided to call the plastic surgeon office and make an appointment. Unfortunately, they were going to be closed for the next two weeks, and I wasn't able to get in, obviously. So um, my girlfriend really did push, and she talked me into going to, uh, to the emergency the next morning. She's like, you know, we'll go first thing in the morning, so we're not there all day, and just figure things out. If it could be nothing, it could be something. Let's just go. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So bright and early the next morning we got up. I think it was a Sunday morning, actually. Got up at 6 a.m., got there for 7 and um, or just before 7. And I was there for a good five hours. You know how hospitals flow because, you know, emergencies are always busy. <clears throat> and so I saw a doctor. I saw a male doctor, and he physically assessed me. And he was like, where do you see the texture change? And I know that I have, I mean, I'm a dark person, I'm black, so you can't really see popping of color or popping of texture changes and, and those things as you naturally would see with someone of a lighter complexion. So he was kind of downplaying the whole texture part of it um, until I pulled the phone out and showed him my photos. And then he was like, um, no, that is not supposed to look like that. And uh, I'd like you to come back tomorrow because we're going to book you an ultrasound. So that was fine. I was a little bit concerned um, just by his reaction from it. But I was like, okay. So the next day I went back and I had an ultrasound. And he told me, um, or the doctor told me to come back in an hour after the ultrasound because they would actually have the results for me um, within the hour, which I found to be strange and later found out the reason for that is because there's a certain type of breast cancer that is inflammatory breast cancer that is extremely aggressive and extremely important that you diagnose that right away in order to, you know, stop the process and get things, you know, going as far as treatment. So, um, yeah, so I, I did the ultrasound and then I waited and was called into a room and she basically, it was a different ER doctor because, of course, you never have the same ER doctor. Um, and she basically said to me that they had found in the breast with the implant, they had found three areas of concern and basically kind of read to me what the report said, that they thought that it was highly suspicious Um a large probability or high probability that it could be cancerous and it would it was specific to a type of breast cancer that you can actually get from having an implant and so in my mind I'm like holy shit my implant ruptured like this is what I'm dealing with like oh my god you know that's why it looks funny that's why this is going on and so she kind of read me the report and it was definitely upsetting um, and then she said to me, what we're going to do, because you have a history of cancers, we are going to refer you over to our oncology department, the cancer center. And so I thought, well, if it's not cancer and you can't confirm that, why am I going to oncology? But anyway, she assured me that everything would be taken care of by them. I'd be reached out to. And, you know, from there, she kind of wished me luck. And that was that. So I walked out of the emergency room. 
and met my girlfriend who was awaiting me to be picked up. And I just, I was so upset. I was like, oh my God, if I'm going through this again, like I can't even deal. But at the same time, nothing was confirmed. So after leaving the hospital, I can't even tell you within that week, like I said, I think I went to emergency a Sunday morning. By Monday, I had probably five appointments lined up and my phone was just ringing off the hook. And so what ended up happening was I ended up having um, a diagnostic team within the cancer center who basically gets your file from Emerge or from the hospital or from your doctor or wherever it comes to them from. In my case, it was for emergency. <coughs> and um, it's a diagnostic team. And basically what they do is they line you up with a whole bunch of different series of testings that they think you are going to require in order to conclude your final findings. And so they had booked me for all types of things. And it was just, my head was swirling at that moment. And with every test that I took, something else was found. And with every test I took, another appointment was booked. And so it was a very grueling, very intense, very overwhelming process. And it took about five weeks for them to confirm that I do indeed have stage 3B invasive ductal carcinoma. And what that is, is um, stage three, meaning that, so there's four stages in cancer. Stage three is not the last, but it's definitely not the early part either. Um, And the invasive means that it's no longer just where it began, but it has spread to other parts of the body. And so for me, it started in the milk duct in my right breast. It's now consumed the entire breast. It is in the chest wall. Um, And it is also, sorry, it's in the, the breast wall, which is right between my boobs, right between the breast. And it is also, they found a spot through doing a PET scan. It is also in a lymph node that is directly behind my collarbone at the top underneath my throat. And so those are the three places that they have identified the cancer had spread to. So what does that mean? That means that I am currently in very aggressive treatment. It means that I'm currently, sorry, my phone was ringing there. It means that I'm currently in very aggressive treatment. It means that I um, am having chemotherapy currently. I just completed my third session of that. And the plan initially was to have breast surgery to remove um, the breast completely, then to do chemotherapy, and then to do radiation therapy. However, because we have confirmed that it has been spread to other parts, chemotherapy is definitely the first uh, protocol that we're going to use to hopefully wash things away. And um, I have 12 weeks of chemotherapy scheduled. And like I said, I'm down three. Then we will do a mastectomy. The issue is that the MRI did not show I'm sorry, the mammogram did not show the tumors in that breast where the implant was. That's a huge issue for me because, you know, cosmetically, I tried to make myself feel better, you know, rebuild myself. 
And it's such a scary thought to know that I had tumors in this breast that was completely overlooked because the mammogram that they had called me back for to retake, you know, to take a look at wasn't in that breast. They didn't see anything in that breast. They called me back for a re-imaging of the other breast that never had anything prior. And so that's really scary for me because what they found in the breast that they called me back for was they did a biopsy on that as well. And they said it was a fibroid and really nothing to worry about. But the other one was like covered in cancer tumors. And so two mammograms, two mammograms, because when they call me back for a second one for imaging, they took this, the, the imaging of the right breast again as well, even though they were focusing more on the left. So twice my mammogram missed those tumors. And that's really, really scary for me to know. And so the options that I got from the surgeon was that I can do um, a bilateral mastectomy and then do a rebuild. And the minute she said that, I was like, I absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, have no interest in putting another implant in my breast, in my body ever again. Pardon me. So she gave me another option, very understandable. She gave me another option. And the option was that they can use my tummy tissue to actually take from my tummy and to rebuild the breast. And it would be breast, it would be tummy tissue, but it would look much more natural. It would, you know, gain weight if I gained weight, lose weight if I lost weight. It would just sit prettier. There will be no nipple because, of course, it's not breast. It's actually tummy. But it would look better and just, you know, for the sake of making me feel better in clothing, um, if that was an option, that they would be definitely willing to do that. And I think that's called a flap. And so I have agreed to that. Um, The concern now is that do I also have breast cancer in the other breast? Because there was two masses in the breast that they called me to do a re-imaging on. However, they only took imaging or they only took a a biopsy of one. And it is felt by oncology that there is definitely a high probability that there is also... um, breast cancer in that breast as well. So if that is the case, then we will know after chemotherapy, because if, if the, the mass has changed in size or if it has completely disappeared, then we know that it was cancer. If nothing has happened to it and they're sitting exactly the way they are, then the assumption is that the second tumor in that left breast that was not biopsied um, is also fine. So we will wait and we will see about that. But... The current diagnosis for me is that I am going to complete 12 weeks of chemotherapy. I am then going to have whether one or both mastectomies, do a reconstructive surgery using my tummy, and I'm going to do six weeks of radiation therapy. And that's, that's pretty much how things are rolling for me right now. So um, I know that's a lot to take in. Sorry, I just took a slug of water here. I know that's a lot to take in for my viewers. Um, But you guys are awesome. And I know that I can pull on you for strength. And, you know, I just, 
anybody who wants to share a story with me, anybody who wants to kind of, um, you know, if they've gone through anything or if they are going through anything, I just want you guys to know that you're definitely not alone. And I want you guys to know that um, I'm transparent. I mean, I will tell you anything that you, you have questions for. I will talk to you about anything. I don't want this to be something that I hide or that, you know, I'm not comfortable speaking on. Um, I think that knowledge is power. I think that sharing what you go through is so empowering to other people who may be going through the same thing or have family and friends who are going through the same thing or God forbid you have to go through the same thing in the future. I just think it's amazing that we can come together and have conversations. And so I implore you, anyone that has any questions, please reach out to me. I am always an ear away, honestly. Um, and so, you know, that's a lot to take. That's a lot to deal with. Um, but I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad to the sense that, you know, why is it happening to me? I just want to get it fixed so that I can move on with my life because I have so much to live for. And time is given to no one. Tomorrow isn't promised for any of us. It doesn't matter who you have, who you are, what kind of money you have, what kind of lifestyle you live. It doesn't matter. Tomorrow is not promised. And I just think it's so important that without your health, you know, Without your health, you have nothing. And so it's so important that we just focus on making ourselves healthy and the people around us healthy. We focus on being happy with ourselves, having true inner peace and having the joy of being happy and and just recognizing how blessed we are each and every day that we open our eyes. I just feel that this has all given me a new perspective on life, on my loved ones. And as emotional as it can be at times and as upsetting as it can be at times when I think about the future and potentially what I could be missing, you know, whether it be weddings, grandchildren, you know, retiring with my husband in Florida or in Barbados, wherever we choose to be, when I think about those opportunities and how they could possibly be missed, It brings my spirit down so low that sometimes I don't even want to get out of bed. But instead of doing that to myself, I pull myself back. Why? Because I'm here now, right here, right now. How can we spend our time? I don't want to spend time arguing. I don't want to spend time with people who are going to make me miserable. I don't want to spend time with energies around me that are not going to lift me up and make me feel good. I want to be the energy around other people that lift them up, make them feel good. And I want people around me that enjoy my time, enjoy my company, enjoy my space, who are authentic, who love me for who I am, not for who I, who I, who, what I have or for, you know, what I can give them or whatever, whatever it is. I just want authentic, loving people in my space. And so I've learned a big lesson in the past five years of going through depression, of dealing with so many different emotions and so many things in my life. But this year in 2022, I realized that I'm in charge of what I do, when I do it, who I do it with, 
how I take care of myself, how I take care of the people around me that I love. I need to take charge of that because the universe and God are the only other types of being that can take that away from me and that can guide my steps into different paths. But as far as what I'm doing for me and for my family, I'm in charge of that. And I can, I can choose to do things that make me happy, that give me inner peace. Taking care of myself is super important because if I can't take care of myself, I can't be there to take care of anyone else. And so going through this whole cancer journey, I have started a vlog. Um, it's actually called, I have it on YouTube, and it's called um, Life Chats with Carlene for anybody who wants to pop on YouTube and see my journey thus far regarding the cancer journey. Um, because again, I feel it's super important to share. I don't want to hold this. I need to share it for anybody who, you know, needs any kind of information. And I think it's so important. And the reason I started that vlog, to be quite honest, is because I started going on YouTube when I was diagnosed. I went on YouTube and I started looking up people's stories, you know, women who are my age or younger, who have gone through, you know, these scenarios who are going through it. And it's such a relief to know that there's so many people out there that have tips and tricks and, you know, they have diagnoses that are very disappointing, but they, you know what? They're still living. They're still living. And for the ones that have passed on, they lived their lives to the fullest after knowing and finding out their diagnoses. After fighting the fight, they lived their life to the fullest before it ending. And that's all I want to know that I've done. Having stage 3B is not a great stage to have. I am fully versed in understanding that if I beat this right now with the grace of God, that I will be consistently being checked to make sure that it's not coming back anywhere else. There is a likelihood and a very high probability that I will in the next future, in the next five years or so, unfortunately, it will reappear and it will reappear somewhere else. But I have no control over that. All I can do is pray to God that I am blessed, that I have the life that I can be happy with, I can have inner peace with, and I can live a life of love and pleasure with the people around me. So it's not a woe is me, but it's definitely a lot of information, a lot of things that I have gone through in the past four or five months that has just been a little bit crazy, which has definitely pulled me away from all of you. But I'm back. And I want you to know that I am happy to be back. I'm not back because I have to be. I'm happy to be back because I want to be. Because I believe in this channel. Because I believe in talking to all of you. Because I know that I touch the hearts of many when you email me and talk to me and tell me your stories. Regardless of whatever the conversation is for that episode. I love the fact that we can speak to each other. I love the fact that you, you can share my, my stories and have conversations around it and fill me in you know, on things that I don't know about. I just love the platform and I love this community so much. You guys mean the world to me. And so that is basically the story of the last four or five months of my life. I wanted to get you guys up to speed and up to date. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm in a good place. Chemotherapy is a bitch to deal with on some days and sometimes I'm in a good place. This week, I had a great week. I feel nauseous at times. I'm very tired, so the fatigue kicks in. 
Um, I have no hair, um, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, so yeah, that's where things are for me right now. Yeah, uh, I'm in a good space. I'm in a good space and I'm going to beat this thing. And my husband is going to beat his thing. We're going to be fine. We're going to live our life and we're going to be happy and we're going to ensure that we try as hard as we can to keep our inner peace and to keep the people around us positive, happy, blessed, and love. So with that, I'm going to head out. I hope you guys have a beautiful week. I will be back next week with another topic. I miss you guys so much. Thanks for popping in. Until next time.